Amen. Okay, so in case you haven't heard, we are starting a new sermon series. This is only five weeks, which is going to be hard because I have enough um, material to preach like all year on the Holy Spirit. Seriously, like <laughs> I can't, Josh is like, I can preach on victory for the rest of the year. I'm like, I could preach on the Holy Spirit definitely um, for the rest of the year. And so um, bear with me today. I really feel like I'm supposed to lay a foundation and I really kind of, I, 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 what do you call it? I struggled with the Lord on this word today because I feel it's a very foundational word, but I just shared a lot of it, not all of it, but some of it at the rock. And I was like, there's a couple people who snuck over with me at the rock and I want to have something fresh, um, you know, but I've kept saying, the, I kept feeling like the Lord saying, but this word is foundational and it, it needs to be spoken because for us to go into these deeper things that God is calling us to, we have to lay a foundation. And so this um, next five weeks, Josh and I and um, other speakers that are going to be sharing are going to be talking about the Holy Spirit because I believe that the church um, still lacks an understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and, and what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life. Now, I believe that the people of God, I'm not talking about the world, okay? I'm talking now about the saints, those who have already um, come into a relationship with Jesus, right? Most people who are Christians have a pretty decent and good understanding of God the Father because, well, whether we've had a good father or an absentee father, everybody was, well, we had a father. Some, someone helped give us half of our DNA. So we have an understanding. I'm not saying it's a great understanding. Some of us have a great understanding. I have a great understanding of God the Father from the example that my father has set. But not everybody has that, but all of us have some kind of understanding who God the Father is because we can look out and see fathers even if we didn't have a good one, Okay. Most of us, I believe, who are saved have an understanding who God the Son, Jesus Christ is, because it has been taught and preached, or we could not be saved if we have not accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. If we have not accepted, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and that he was raised from the dead and believe in our heart, then we are saved, right? So most of us who are saved, who are Christians, have an understanding that Jesus Christ was sent from the Father, he is the Son, he is the firstborn of many who took our sins upon himself on the cross. He died on the cross for our sins in replacement of our sins, and he rose again on the third day. Where we have a hard time understanding is God, the Holy Spirit. Um, a lot of us think the Holy Spirit is an it. We don't even realize the Holy Spirit is a person, a, a he, a part of the Godhead. We, God is one God, but three parts, God, the Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. It's like how I explain it to children. When they're like, I don't understand. How is he one, but three? I, I like to explain it this way. Have you ever seen an egg? Most kids, I try to teach my kids by the time they're 11, two things. Do your laundry because it's a big family and I don't got time for all that. You know what I'm saying? Come on. Come on, right? And you need to at least know how to cook some eggs because I'm not serving you head, uh, all morning, noon, and night in the summertime, although Justice still doesn't understand that concept. <laughs> right? And I say, okay, an egg, it has is one egg, but there's three parts. There's a shell, right? There's the white, and there's the yolk. And so sometimes having that visual example helps us understand that there is God, one God, but three parts. Again, I believe most of the church understand one God and two parts, but when it comes to the Holy Spirit, we think of 
the Holy Spirit has this mystical it out there. We don't really understand that just like we should have a relationship with a father, a relationship with a son, we need a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And so I hope that in these next five weeks that we can grow in this understanding of who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life. Amen? And with that, I want to talk specifically right now um, a little bit about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And honestly, I think every time I speak, there's going to be more I'm going to talk about with that. Um, Because I also believe that one reason why some of us are kind of spooked out with the Holy Spirit is because many people have had um, weird, kind of weird uh, theology or wacky experiences Uh, especially if you grew up in any kind of charismatic or Pentecostal um, type church, which is what we are. And so sometimes it turns you off and you're like, oh, I'm good with God the Father. I'm good with God the Son. But that Holy Spirit, those, that's, that's a little weird for me. And so I think that if we grow in what the scripture says and understanding, then we can begin to walk in these things a little bit better. Okay. I think it's really cool that my friend Bessie, who I'm not going to steal her whole message because she's going to share in a few weeks about the Holy Spirit. But she is one who, since I've known her, I think you've been at our church for what, five years now? five years, she's been seeking the baptisms of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. And, and she had some, um, I'll let her share more, but she had some weird experiences um, before in the past where she was seeking uh, God w- in that sense with the Holy Spirit and then had some teachings that kind of turned her off from it. And so she pulled back and then she started going after the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit actually just this year filled her um, at our ladies retreat. And it was an amazing thing. Nobody forced her. Nobody said, uh, repeat after me, Abba, 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 Abba. Baba, 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 okay? It wasn't anything like that. God just did it, right? And this is the thing. We've had weird experience. I talked, um, I have the privilege of being an assistant um, presbyter in the Assembly of God in this area. So I get to interview and talk to different people who are going for different levels of credentialing. And even ministers, friends, have had weird experiences. I talked to one who, who at a kid's camp, uh, you know, years ago, you know, had somebody basically try to push them over. And, and and that was just, you know, so we've had, we got to be real. We got to talk about our good, but we got to talk about, you know what, we, we've, we've had some weird stuff happen in life too. And that's, but what I want to say to you today, if you've experienced something that has been weird, that has turned you off, do not blame that on God. Because unfortunately, listen, there's still flesh. There's still flesh involved in things. You know what? When I get up and preach the word of God, I try to to preach the word to the best of my ability. But guess what? Joy is always going to be a little bit there, too, because I am I'm not all spirit. I have (laughs) I'm a human being. Right. And, And that's what you know, that's what so many things. And so what we do is we throw the baby out with the bathwater. And God's like, no, 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 we're missing so much of what God wants to do because we throw the baby out with the bathwater. And the Lord spoke this to me a few weeks ago when I was praying because it's been such a passion of mine. Because, you know, we're sitting here this whole year. I'm like, God wants to do so much more. And I see we're like right at the edge. And yet it's like we stop. We don't go further. You know, and I'm like, God, there's so much more. And we've been talking in the beginning of the year about revival and we were fasting and praying. And we've been talking about victory. I'm like, what, what's going on? But see, I believe because of our misconstrued um, theology on the Holy Spirit it has kept us. From walking completely in victory the way God wants us to. Because listen, right before Jesus left and ascended back to heaven, he talked to the disciples and he was telling them, listen, wait for the gift 
that my father promised. And another part of Luke, he's talking about the, you know, that you, even your fathers who aren't good fathers, know how to give good gifts. If you ask your father for bread, he's not going to give you a stone. If you ask your father for fish, he's not going to give you snake. The other, other white meat, you know what I'm saying? That's weird. <laughs> no, if you ask your father, even though he is not, even though your fathers compared to God are evil, they know how to give good gifts. How much more, if you ask your father for the Holy Spirit, will give you the Holy Spirit? That's the good gift that Jesus was talking about. John the Baptist recognized that Jesus himself was not only baptized in water, friends. He was baptized in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came on him like a dove at that time. Now the Holy Spirit comes on us like fire oftentimes. The Bible, John the Baptist said, this one greater than me is going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit and fire. I believe the Holy Spirit came on Jesus like a dove because there was nothing to burn away in Jesus. He was perfect, 100% man, 100% God. But for us, there's a lot that needs to be burned away, right? There's a lot of, uh, we, we, we got to go through the fire sometime. And, and this is the thing. Jesus himself told his disciples who walked with him for three and a half years. And yet, even though they walked with him for three and a half years, they cowered at the cross. They were too afraid to, to even go all the way to the cross, right? But Jesus came to them, restored Peter, restored the disciples and said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift that my father has promised. And Acts 1.8 says that when you receive the Holy Spirit, you will receive power to be a witness. And then we go on, and that word power there is dunamis in the Greek. And we go on in Acts 2, and most of us have heard this part of the Bible, Acts 2, 1 and 4, that's the day of Pentecost. And it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were together in one place. Suddenly a sound like a blowing and violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came and rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Okay. Before that happened, though, when, when Jesus was talking in Luke and he was telling them different things, he, he shared this story or this analogy in Luke 10, 8 through 18. And he said, unto them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. So Jesus is saying, he's saying, you know, I, just like John chapter 1, like he was there from the beginning. Okay, he is God, and he, he, is, he was there from the beginning, and he saw when Satan rebelled, and he fell like lightning. And he said this next in verse 19, Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding, rejoice not that your rejoice not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. Okay, and so he's talking about two types of power here. The first one, he said, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions. And then he said, and power all over the enemy. The first time the word power is used here, it is a different word than dunamis. This word means delegated influence, authority. Um, it means authority. So he's saying, I give you authority in my name to trample over the power of the enemy. And then he says, and because I'm giving you authority, then you will have power, a different word, which now means dunamis, which is dynamite power. It means ability. So the first kind of power that he gave us was authority. We have authority. The only reason we have power over the enemy is because we have authority in Christ. 
Then he said, not only am I giving you authority, but I'm going to give you power, ability to do what I'm telling you to do. So often, friends, we stopped with authority in Christ. We know we have authority in Christ. We make our declarations, but we miss the ability that is given to us through the Holy Spirit to walk out that authority. Does that make sense? We stop halfway when God has so much more for us. I like to say it this way. Before the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we only had delegated influence or delegated, delegated authority. After the Pentecost, after the power of the Holy Spirit, we now have ability through the Holy Spirit. See, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, people get confused and think the baptism of the Holy Spirit is about speaking in tongues. No, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is the gift of power, ability for service. It's the bestowment of the gifts and the use for the works of greater ministry. It's to enable you, to give you the ability you need to walk this Christian life out. And this is the thing, man. Like, it's nearly impossible to be a Christian in our, our culture. We have to have the Holy Spirit to give us the ability to do this thing. Right? Have you ever just been like, have you ever just messed up so bad and you're like, what the heck? I know better. <laughs> I'm telling you, friends, the more you get in line with the Holy Spirit, doesn't mean that you're perfect, but the Holy Spirit, he will, he will give you, he will guard you, he will protect you, he will show you, don't go there. I mean, he's our helper, he's our leader, he's our counselor, he's our guide. There's so much more to the Holy Spirit than just speaking in tongues, okay? It, he's the one who gives us the ability. So, so where people get confused is they say, well, but didn't I receive the Holy Spirit when I got saved? And I like to say this, yes, you did. The Holy Spirit was present at conversion. When you gave your heart to Christ, the Holy Spirit was there because the Bible says it's the Holy Spirit that leads you to Christ. So the Holy Spirit was present at conversion. But there is another work of grace, what a lot of Pentecostals call the second work of grace that the Holy Spirit wants to do. And that is the ability, the power to be a witness. That happens when you ask the Holy Spirit to baptize you. Uh, or in some, some different places in the book of Acts, we see the word baptized or the, the word filled with the Holy Spirit. That comes with that experience. And people are like, well, why, you know, this or that? You know, how do we understand the things of God? Jewish people thought, why, why, is, why is this man from Nazareth? And they, they didn't understand because it didn't fit the, their understanding. They rejected what God was doing. Friends, the church today, a large part of the church still rejects what God is doing because we reject the power of the Holy Spirit. So I want to encourage you. I feel like I just need to lay this foundation. But I think what's happening in us is that, that we live in the age of information. And so there's so much information. We've got to be careful what feeds us, friends. You know, it's like we, we find a little five-minute little clip that we like on Instagram or Snapchat or, or whatever we're, we're on. And we're like, ooh, let, and then we start following. You don't even know what this person believes. I actually had somebody that I, I, I followed on. I liked one of their teachings. I was like, oh, this guy is good. And then I start looking more. And I'm like, oh, man, this guy does not believe what I believe. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, we got to be careful in the age of information that we're not getting all of our information about God from the Internet. That we're actually searching the scriptures, that we're, we're, we're understanding. I believe it's important to understand what you believe, the church that you submit to, what they believe. Friends, it's very understanding. And as a similar to God people, we do believe in the second work of grace, which is the, the being filled or being baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
That's what happened to the, the disciples in Acts chapter 2. That's what changed them from being cowards to where the scripture said that they turned the world upside down. And some people, I've heard someone say, well, the book of Acts, um, you know, it, it just shows a demonstration of the, the early disciples and, and the birth of the church. And, you know, it's not to be followed like what we're supposed to do necessarily. That was just like, the, that's what happened back then. And I believe that there's, there, there are misunderstanding the scriptures because the book of Acts, we should still be going after the things that we see in the book of Acts. It is the Bible, friends, <laughs> and it shows us, you know, what God wants to do. And so I want to move on. There's a couple of things that I want to talk about here. Before I talk about some, I want to talk about what, what I call um, is mis like misconceptions that we have learned about the Holy Spirit. And I want to go over five of those. But before I go over there, I want to talk just a little bit about tongues. I am going to probably break this down. I have a message that I want to share that, uh, that will help you um, receive the gift of tongues. Um, but I don't have time to hit all that. I have some things that hinder us from receiving. There's, like I said, I have so many things I want to share. I'm trying to put this today though in just 30 minutes and so I do want to explain to you um, speaking in tongues or praying in tongues is a form of prayer in which the Christian yields himself to the Holy Spirit receives the Spirit's supernatural language which he praises God we see that in Acts chapter 2 but not just Acts chapter 2 we also saw in Acts 19 when um, when Paul went to Ephesus Paul went to Ephesus because they were already saved friends but they had not yet heard of the Holy Spirit so the Holy Spirit was there present in conversion, but they had not really heard of the power of the Holy Spirit. So Paul went to bring a deeper level of understanding. I don't, I mean, I don't know why this is so hard for us to understand because sometimes we act like we get saved and that's it. Friends, too many of us are being born again and we're stopping as babies and infants in the Lord. And we're not going on to the deeper things because we reject the second work of grace in our life. And that is the baptism of the Holy Spirit who's going to take us into deeper things. And so speaking in tongues is a prayer language that happened um, there uh, in the book of Acts. Um, I love what Romans 8 says. It says, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes with us through wordless groans. See, speaking in tongues is not just for the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. It also has at least two other functions. So we as Assembly of God people believe that when you get baptized in the Holy Spirit and in fire, which Jesus does, right? John said he's going to be the one who baptizes you, that there will be an evidence of speaking in tongues. That's how you know that it happened to you. We see multiple times in the Bible, not just uh Ephesus, not just Acts chapter 2, but Cornelius' house. We see it in other places where they spoke in tongues. Paul himself said, I speak in tongues more than any of you guys do. Okay, so, but there's also two other, there's two other functions. One is your personal prayer language of tongues. This is uh, the utterance of an unknown language in private devotion. This edifies and engages one in prayer. Okay, so that's a personal thing. You may have heard me, if you've been around me long enough, say that it's hard for me to even put my contacts on in the morning without speaking in tongues. There's times like when I feel anxiety or, or something come on me and I don't know what I'm supposed to pray and I just start speaking in tongues and it lifts, right? There's been times I'm driving, hello, especially on tax-free weekend, and I have to speak in tongues. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Whatever, it builds me up. It's my, or even more so if my husband's driving, right? 
It builds us up. It's that private prayer language, okay? And then there's the tongues and interpretation, okay? That tongues and interpretation is like a gift of prophecy. So if somebody interrupts a service here and they speak in tongues, then we are going to wait for an interpretation. Either they're going to give an interpretation or the Holy Spirit needs to speak through someone or they acted out of order, okay? Now, where people mess up is they say, I heard someone speak in tongues at church and there was no interpretation. Well, you was in their business when they was praying and worshiping by themselves. They didn't interrupt the service, right? If you heard them interrupt the service and there was no in interpretation, you're right. It was done out of order and so a leader of that house should have said something about it. But if you hear her say, Dorinthia is worshiping and you hear her speak in tongues too because the Bible also says that singing songs, spiritual songs, hymns, Sing in the spirit, which means sing in tongues. That is different than interrupting a service with a prophetic word. Does that make sense? People get confused that way. Okay. So I felt like I needed to lay, I wanted to lay a little foundation. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit is the empowerment, the ability to be a witness. To, and the, being a witness doesn't just mean telling someone about Jesus. Being a witness is not just a verb, friends. It is a noun. Being a witness means you are going to be a martyr, that you're willing to die for your faith. Okay, that's what it actually means when you go back to the Greek in the New Testament, that you, are, that you are willing to lay down your life for Christ. And you can only do, we can't even lay down our rights without the Holy Spirit, right? How are we expected to lay down our lives on our own? So friends, come on. Okay, God, the Holy Spirit is going to give us that, that work. And so I want to give a foundation. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is for the empowerment of his people. It gives us the ability. All right, understood? Speaking in tongues is the initial physical evidence, but there's also other functions of speaking in tongues. It's your prayer language. It could be used in, if it's accompanied with interpretation like a prophetic gift. Okay. Um, you can also, in your prayer language, sing to the Lord. Okay. So this is just the beginning. This is even, okay. So what happens is we get saved in America and we stop there with being born again. And we don't go deeper in the word. We don't go deeper in the spirit. Okay. Right. And then as Pentecostals, we might get the gift of tongues, and the uh, baptizing Holy Spirit and speaking tongues at like a camp, a ladies retreat, maybe at an awesome service. And then we stop there. And we don't go deeper. That is the initial evidence. What's initial mean? First, beginning. There's more. That's just the beginning. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is so much more than speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues is just the beginning. The baptism of the Holy Spirit gives you a deeper appreciation and understanding for the written word. It wasn't until I really, really was filled with the Holy Spirit that I even understood the Bible. It was like a foreign language. It causes you to hunger more for his presence. It, the Holy Spirit causes you to hunger more for souls, to be bolder in your witness, to go deeper in worship and prayer time. It opens the door for other spiritual gifts. Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, there's many more spiritual gifts. There's gifts of um, motivation, and there's also uh, gifts that, uh, of manifestation. There's all kinds of different gifts. There's wisdom, there's knowledge, there's understanding, there's, there's serving, there's leadership. There's different kinds of gifts that the Holy Spirit opens the door for us to walk through those gifts. Okay, now I'm going to get into the misconceptions. This is really hard for me to lay this down because I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. I'm telling you, this fires me up, friends. Because I believe that we have to understand what we believe, okay? And unfortunately, too many Assembly of God churches, not all, but many, and in my opinion, too many have gone away from our doctrinal truths of what we believe and are no longer teaching this. 
And it's like you're not going to get it by, ob, ob, uh, what's the word I'm thinking? Obnosis. How you say? Osmosis. Whatever. Osmosis. <laughs> okay. You ain't going to get it that way. You're going to get it by understanding. <laughs> you got to ask Moses for it. <laughs> All right. Now y'all want to talk. Let's bring it in. Bring it in. So five misconceptions about the Holy Spirit. Now I'm going to do something fun here so I can keep you awake because this is, this is a, a teaching. So we're going a little deep. So I'm going to tell you something that is false. And when we say, when we, when I tell you what is false, I'm, I want us to go, because eh, it's false. It's just going to be fun. Don't leave me hanging. Y'all can laugh at me for uh, not saying a word right. You can give me an ant, okay? So <laughs> the five misconceptions about the Holy Spirit. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is essential for salvation. This is false. It is. Okay. This is something that I think has damaged the Pentecostal church. There are some branches, not the Assembly of God. We, are, we believe in the Trinity. But there are some um, ones who, who believe um, differently. They don't believe in the Trinity. And they believe that if you don't speak in tongues, you're not going to heaven. That is false. We don't see that anywhere in the scriptures. We believe the second work of grace, the first work of grace, the Holy Spirit is present at conversion when you give your heart to Jesus. Okay? No, the baptism of the Holy Spirit is not essential for salvation. Salvation or conversion or the acceptance of Christ as a Lord and Savior is separate. Usually, well, I would say I haven't seen it all the time. It's separate and prior experience. It's uh, the initial experience, okay? Scripture makes it clear that baptism of the Holy Spirit is the second work of grace. There is a danger adding anything to the cross for salvation. However, friends, that is a danger. That is a danger. However, the baptism of the Holy Spirit makes it easier for us to live that sanctified life that Jesus paid for at the cross. Listen, he told us I'm not leaving you as an orphan. He told you that my father has something great for you, a great gift to wait to get this before you even start ministry. This is what he told the disciples in the first century church. Okay, now we are closer to his second coming. If the disciples in the first century church needed it, I think we need it just as much, if not even more, right? And so the Holy Spirit does not, it, 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 the speaking in tongues, being baptized in the Holy Spirit, that is not essential for salvation, but I do believe it does help sanctify us and make us more like Christ. As a matter of fact, Pastor Josh, let me tell you a little something about your pastor. <laughs> I can tell you a lot of things, but I'm going to just leave it to this one thing. This man, when he got saved, uh, he gave up lots of things, but it wasn't until he got baptized with the Holy Spirit that he was able to give up smoking weed. And I believe there's a reason for that. I believe he was, there was a substance that he needed at that time before he really got filled with the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says, do not be drunk on wine, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay? And so it took him being filled with the Holy Spirit to give up that bad habit in his life. Because he, he did, at that time, he realized there ain't no high like the Holy Ghost high. I don't need to be high on, on weed or any other substance because Jesus can get me high. Jesus can fill me up and give me everything else that I need. Okay? And so, though it is false. You do not need to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to be saved. But I do believe that the Holy Spirit helps us become sanctified. Okay? I mean, after all, the first part of the Holy Spirit's name is what? Sanctified means to be set apart and be, come on, guys, let's put this together. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not a saving experience for the non-Christian. Understand? It is not. 
But it is an empowering experience for the Christian in order that he may be supernaturally equipped to minister. Now he has the authority through Christ, the Christian, and the ability through the Holy Spirit to minister. Got it? Okay, another misconception. When I got saved, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Say it with me. False. Eh. Ooh, some of y'all are like, I ain't saying in on that. I did receive the Holy Spirit when I got saved. The Holy Spirit was present. Yes, he was there. He was a part of it because we cannot be. And so people say, well, the Bible, you know, Paul says to be baptized with one, one baptism and one spirit. Okay, that, that word baptism means to be dipped, to be immersed. Again, when we see baptism of the Holy Spirit, um, it also, there's so many other words. I have another message that has like five different words that they use interchangeably, that, that Luke loses, uses interchangeably with that, which means to be filled with the Holy Spirit, okay? So it's a different, or when the Holy Spirit, one, one translation says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So there's, the Holy Spirit is with you in conversion, but the Holy Spirit comes upon you, fills you, baptizes you with the second work of grace. Understood? Okay, so... Again, two different types of baptisms that the Christian should aspire to, baptism in water. Some people, some Christians, some denominations believe you're not saved unless you're baptized in water. We, as a similar God, Pentecostal believers, believe that the baptism of water does not save you. The blood of Jesus saves you. When you ask Jesus, uh, give your Romans 9, right? Romans uh, 10, 9 to 10, if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, you are saved. It's a confession and a belief that saves you. That's how you're converted. We get baptized in obedience to Christ because he told us to as an outward sign of what he did inwardly. Okay, so that is what we believe by baptism. So what about the thief on the cross who got saved? Jesus said, today I see you in paradise. Was he baptized? No. Right? So we believe, again, that this is an outward expression. It is an ordinance of the church, just like Holy Communion. And we should encourage people, when they get saved, to get baptized. But there is another experience, another baptism, another immersion, another filling that we also need to encourage people. Get baptized in water. And guess what? Last week, someone got baptized in water. They came out of that water speaking in tongues. I was like, hey. I don't know if y'all saw that, but those who were looking with binoculars that were far off, you missed it, man. You need to walk all the way over because it was awesome. It was, it was an awesome experience. But this is the thing. We do want to encourage people to also receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. John himself, when he baptized in water for repentance of sins, said that Jesus is going to baptize with what? The Holy Spirit and fire, friends. We need it, okay? So um, Paul was converted on the road to Damascus, but the Lord sent Ananias to pray for him to give him his sight back and the word, the word says, and to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Again, we can use filled and baptized interchangeably. Does You guys understand that? Okay. So that's another misconception. Here we go. Another misconception, and this one, um, this one is a, is a big one. Speaking in tongues is an occurrence that belongs only to the Old Testament period. That is false. Let me hear you say. Eh. Oh, my bad. New Testament. Come on, y'all. I mean, you guys are taking good notes. I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. Give me some grace, though, okay? The <laughs> eh. You said Old Testament. You meant New Testament. Okay. The Holy Spirit was present in the Old Testament, too, but that's an error message. So speaking in tongues is a occurrence that belonged only to the New Testament period. That is false. Let me hear you say. Eh. 
Okay, there's nothing in scripture that indicates speaking with tongues would be in effect only during the New Testament period. When Paul made the statement that people take out of context that says speaking in tongues would cease in 1 Corinthians 13, he also indicated when this would happen. He wrote, when the perfect comes, the imperfect would disappear. Do y'all think we're living in the perfect right now? We need the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah, we are living in the perfect. Come on, y'all. <laughs> you just need to be out with me this week in a tax-free weekend. Lord, have mercy. Come on. Seriously, people need Jesus. And the Christian needs the Holy Spirit's empowerment to live this Christian life, okay? Now, listen, there is, there's this um, theology called cessationism. Okay, not sensationalism, but cessationism. And that is a theology that means that all spiritual gifts, including tongues, um, died at the death of the apostles. Now, where I think people get this wrong is because they, they, they have titled the book of Acts as Acts of the Holy, or Acts of the Apostles. I believe a better name, not that I'm trying to change the names, but the Acts of the Holy Spirit. Because if you actually read the book of Acts, there's no clear ending in that, in that book. It's not like, okay, this is over. Because the Holy Spirit is, Spirit is still moving through his people. If it, was the acts, uh, if it was just the acts of the apostles, if it was just the gifts of the apostles, then in the epistles, when Paul talks about spiritual gifts, shouldn't it be called apostle gifts? No. See, it has nothing. This is the thing that we mess up. Where we mess up, oh, he's a healing evangelist. No, God might use him through the Holy Spirit to heal somebody, but he's not, like, we, we put these gifts on people. It's the Holy Spirit. It's the whole, even the fruit, like, like even self-control, you've heard me talk about this before, self-control, that is still, even though it has the word self, it is the fruit of the Spirit. We need the Spirit for the fruit of the Spirit. We need the Spirit for the gifts of the Spirit. And so if the Holy Spirit is still moving on the earth today through people, then we have to believe that he still gives gifts to people, including speaking in tongues, as well as wisdom, healing, deliverance, all these other things that God has for us. But, but we, have, we have bought into this false theology to keep, to, I believe we bought into this false theology to justify our apathy in our life and our lack of appetite to go after the Holy Spirit and the things of God. We've, we, we've adopted this theology to, to justify our lack of experience. People say, oh, they, 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 their, their experience gives way to their theology. Um, I'm pretty sure God wants us to experience them, so I don't know why, you know, where that's wrong at anyway. But the scripture backs it up. I'm pretty sure the Trinity does is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Right? And so... Yes, we need the word. Jesus was the word. But the word, the word is, it, it, it tells us the truth about what we are experiencing. We see it through the book of Acts. We see it um, written in the epistles. And so people who have taught us that is no longer in existence today, is ju they're justifying their lack of experience more than we're justifying our experience, friends. Because this is the thing. If we're saying that, that speaking in tongues is... It, it, it died with the apostles, then really, in essence, we are not believing what God, that God is the same God yesterday, today, and tomorrow. In essence, we are saying that we are already perfect. We're already made perfect. 
When we are still, we believe that be, we're being sanctified, that I was saved, I'm being saved, and I'm going to be saved. That, that we work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Yes, we, we, Jesus Christ is his blood, and we're saved by grace and faith alone. But at the same time, he is doing a work in us. The good work he began in us, he will bring it to completion. And we need the Holy Spirit for the work of God. Am I explaining myself right? Okay. Okay, here we go. This actually goes right with this. This teaching is so close, okay? So the first one is that the, the speaking in, or the one I just mentioned, speaking in tongues, it ended with the apostles. This one, speaking in tongues is from the devil. It's false, can we say? Eh. Amen. This mis misconception is just dumb to me. Honestly, it is. It's just dumb to me. But I believe that God knew that, that, was, that Jesus knew that was going to happen. That's why he even gave the, the, the story of when you ask my father for a good gift, he's not going to give you, you ask him for fish, he's not going to give you what? A snake. But the, look, look how the devil, he's not new, dude. He's not new. He's saying the same thing. So now he's telling people, oh, those people over there in church asked for a gift, but they got the devil instead. And he's not new. They also told Jesus he had the devil. Right? And so, friends, we have to be aware of the enemy's schemes. Okay? The Bible says we're supposed to be as innocent as doves and wise as serpents. We need to be aware of his schemes. And this is the thing. Why would Jesus tell his disciples to wait in Jerusalem for the gift his father promised if it was from the devil? He wasn't trying to trick them. And why would millions of godly people speak in tongues if it's from the devil? Millions, millions and millions and millions of, probably billions of godly people speaking in tongues if it was from the devil. Mission work, some of the greatest mission work in all the world is happening through Pentecostal churches now. They're sending people all over because they're filled with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit enables and empowers you to go out and do the work of God. So why would that be from the devil? I mean, Jesus himself said, if a house is divided against itself, it what? Will not stand. So why would the devil divide against himself? It's just, a, it's just a lie, friends. It's a lie to make you doubt that God did something awesome in your life. Right? It's not the devil that's going to stop you speaking in tongues. It's your own belief of misconceptions, false, and that's a nice way of saying false theology, honestly. Okay? God the Father did not give us a snake. He gave us a gift in the Holy Spirit, not a snake. Okay? Amen? Five. Last one I'm going to talk about today because there's more. But last one for today. When you speak in tongues, you lose complete control of your body. False. Okay. Okay. Have you ever thought, I can't let myself go I can't, I can't do this because then I'm going to let myself go and I'm going to be inhabited by the Holy Spirit. And, and you're picturing like the exorcism, like the movies you shouldn't watch back in the, in, when you were young, right? And the head's turning around and something's coming out the TV. Wait, that's a different one. Um, <laughs> right? right? We're picturing all this crazy stuff. But listen, that's why I don't even, I know old school people call it Holy Ghost. I don't even like to say Holy Ghost. Just, it's my own preference. I'm not saying anything wrong for people who do. But just because I think that in the world, our, our culture is really obsessed with the supernatural in some ways. Um, and we only are obsessed with the demonic supernatural, not like 
the, the demonic supernatural just wants to mimic what you can really have, the manifestations of the Holy Spirit, okay? But the demonic, super, I mean, and so then, anyway, that's a whole nother teaching too. But this, this is the thing. You don't lose com complete control of your body. Uh, this is the thing. Without the Holy Spirit, you can't. But without you, the Holy Spirit won't. Man does the speaking while the Holy Spirit furnishes the words. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in uh, new uh, tongues as what? The Spirit enabled them. And so we have to be careful. The Bible, and Paul says that the spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. Okay, so you don't lose com complete control. Um, there have been times, friends, in my personal experience where the Holy Spirit has come on me, and every time this has happened, it's been in a situation that has not been inappropriate, has not been a distraction. Most of the time, it's been in the privacy of my own prayer closet. That the Holy Spirit has come on me in such ways that I feel like I like I'm been like I'm undone. There's a difference between being undone and not participating in it. Okay, I still participated in what the Holy Spirit was doing in my life, but I was undone, laid out before Him. Does that make sense? Um, but we we have this fear of losing control. But this is the thing: is that fear really from the Lord? Because I believe a lot of us have control issues. Man. And, and some of us are like, this, this, I mean, this is all of us. I mean, honestly, it, it, this is not a woman thing. This is not a man thing. This is not a teenager thing. This is a people problem. We have control issues. And do you think that maybe some people are like, well, why are the initial evidence being speaking in tongues? We don't really know for sure. There's, it's not really clear. There's some things that it's a mystery, right? We don't really know for sure. But I, I would like to say, could it possibly be that James said that the most uncontrollable part of your body is your what? Your tongue. And when we submit to God and say, fill me with the third part of your trinity, fill me with the Holy Spirit, could it be that he takes the most uncontrollable part of your body? And he says, do you love me enough that you're going to even relinquish that to me, that you're going to even give that control, yield that control to me to control for you? Now, again, there's a partnership. It's not like he takes, you know, a complete authority. Anytime I've seen anyone get baptized in the Holy Spirit, and friends, I, this is not new for me. Since for, for the last 20 years of full-time ministry, this is my biggest passion, okay, is being, because I want to see people saved. And how are people, how are we going to be empowered for the lost to be saved if we don't have the ability of the Holy Spirit? So this is my biggest passion is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And anytime I've seen and prayed, and I've prayed for hundreds of people to be filled with the Holy Spirit, it, there is a joining. There is a partnership that happens. Usually people start praying with English and they're praising God and they're speaking out loud. And then they uh, they get, they yield their authority, and then that then all of a sudden they're starting to speak in an unknown language to themselves. But they're praising and worshiping God usually first, okay. And and, and like I said, I know I mean my mom and Josh were by themselves in the room, and God came on them, and, and and they received that, okay. I've seen people at conferences, I've seen people at church services, I've seen people at camps. We've prayed for kids, we've prayed for older people. God is not a respecter of persons; He wants to give each and every single one of us this gift. But friends, if we allow false and wrong theology to, to dictate how we think, then we are not going to, we're not going to be able to believe the truth. And if you don't believe what, what God is saying in his word, you're not going to receive it. And I want to say this too, okay? If you have not received this yet, do not feel like, oh, well, I guess I'm just not good enough. That's for only the supernatural, super empowered, super awesome Christians. No, 
this is, that's a lie from the devil too. That's an eh, there's so many more, but I, I, I already went over my time, y'all. But this is the thing. God has it for you too. Do not give up. Bessie prayed for years before she received it. I know other people who prayed for, for even longer before they received it. And then I know people who, who were seven years old and said, God, I want what they have and got it like that. So it, it doesn't matter, you know, but this is what I tell people. My daughter wants to drive now. She would love to get in my car and have her driver's license at 15. Yep. But I know it's her parent. She ain't ready for that just yet. Okay. Sometimes God has a gift for us. And, and, and we want it now, but he's going to give it to us when he wants us to have it, when we're ready for it. So don't be discouraged. Don't think you're less than. You are saved if you have accepted Jesus. But I want to encourage you to have your appetite begin, um, to whet your appetite again, to help you crave that there is more for you. Amen. Would you close your eyes? There's going to be so much more in the next five weeks that we're going to teach. This is just, I felt foundational for the beginning. And, and for those who heard it twice, there's just a couple of you. You know what? It's okay. <laughs> I always believe that even if you hear the same message twice, God has a new word for you within it. I did believe, especially for this campus, this was foundational for you. God wants to give you um, that second work of grace, the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So, Father, I just thank you for your people today. And I pray, Lord God, that they would begin to hunger for this. I pray in these next five weeks that they would, if they have not received it, instead of feeling discouraged that they asked for it and it didn't happen when they wanted it, God, that they, would, that they would just have an appetite begin to hunger again for you and your presence, that they would begin to, to just taste and see that you're real and that you still have this for them. Okay, one of the things that I do believe that hinders us from receiving the baptism of the uh, uh, Holy Spirit is just being uneducated. That's why I wanted this to be the first um, message today to, to help us have an understanding. And I, I do believe that sometimes that there has to be a, a place of repentance. If you at, at one time in your life, I'm not going to ask you to come up here, but at one time in your life with every head bowed, every eye closed, at one time in your life, if you believed one of these theologies and you need to ask the Lord to just forgive you for believing something that is not true, would you just raise your hand before the Lord if that's you? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you're in this place and you've also brought into uh, the lie that it's only for some people and it's not for me and, and, and you've only, you've kind of grown frustrated with the thought of it, would you just raise your hand before the Lord? Raise your hand before the Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. If you're in this place and you are baptized in the Holy Spirit and you have not been um in operation. I know people who've, who've received it, but then they haven't continued to, as the Bible says, not be drunk on wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. They haven't continued to move in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And you want to ask the Lord to forgive you for that right now. Would you go ahead and just raise your hand before the Lord? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. God has more for you. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. Father, you saw the people who had their hands, uh, that raised their hands to you. God, I pray that you would minister to them right where they're at today, that they would know that you are for them. God, I thank you, Lord God, for working everything out, everything out, everything out, Lord Jesus. God, break it fear off of them right now in the name of Jesus. 
breaking false theology off of them right now in the name of Jesus. Helping them know that you are the truth, that you are the way, that you are the life, Jesus. Helping them know that you said that you're not sending us out like orphans, but you're sending one greater than yourselves, the Holy Spirit. If you're in this place and you just feel like, you know what, I just want more of the Holy Spirit. Would you just raise your hand? If I, I want to encounter more. I'm hungry and I just want more. I want more. I want more. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. If you are one that raised.